0: Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. Today is March 22nd, and this means that we are in Proverbs chapter 22 today. So let's jump into our text. Proverbs chapter 22 says this, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor rather than silver and gold. The rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. But the simple pass by. Pass on and are punished. By humility and fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Thorns and snares are in the way of the perverse. He who guards his soul will be far from them. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. He who sows iniquity will reap sorrow, and the rod of his anger will fail. He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. Cast out the scoffer, and contention leaves. Yes, strife and reproach will cease. He who loves purity of heart and has grace on his lips, the king will be his friend. The eyes of the Lord preserve knowledge, but he overthrows the words of the faithless. The lazy man says, "'There is a lion outside. I shall be slain in the streets.'" The mouth of an immoral woman is a deep pit. He who is abhorred by the Lord will fall there. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. He who oppresses the poor to increase his riches, and he who gives to the rich will surely come to poverty. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise, and apply your heart to my knowledge. For it is a pleasant thing if you keep them within you. Let them all be fixed upon your lips so that your trust may be in the Lord. I have instructed you today, even you, I have not written to you excellent things of counsels and knowledge, that I may make you know the certainty of the words of truth, that you may answer the word of truth to those who send to you. Do not rob the poor because he is poor nor oppress the afflicted at the gate. For the Lord will plead their cause and plunder the soul of those who plunder them. Make no friends with an angry man and with a furious man. Do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. Do not be one of those who shakes his hand in a pledge, one of those who is surety for debts. If you have nothing with which to pay, why should he take away your bed from under you? Do not remove the ancient landmark which your fathers have set. Do you uh, see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. Wow, there is a lot to see in this chapter of Scripture, but where I want to start is a place that is it is one of those that well makes people not very happy is one thing that I found, but it's also one of the most important things to look at. and that is, of course, Parent right. You need a parent right. See, verse 6 and also verse 15 deals with this. In verse 6, it says this, Train up your child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And then verse 15 says this, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. And we see here in these two verses a lot of things that parents are commanded to do, but also some promises that are given. And I think it's important that we see both of these things. And we apply what needs to be applied to our life through these truths. First of all, what we're commanded to do. The first one's pretty obvious. Right there in verse six, starts off with it. Train up a child in the way that he should go. You need to train up your children. You need to train up your children. Now there's a difference between training and teaching. See, teaching has to do with knowledge and passing on of knowledge, but training has to do with not only the teaching aspect, the telling of what to do, but also then the setting of the example. See, as a parent, we're not simply to just go and to tell our children, hey, don't do this, or hey, don't do that, but we're to then go and to set the example, show them how they are to pattern their life, live the life that you expect your child to live. That is what we're supposed to do as as parents. We are to actually train our children in the way that they are, that they should go, which means that we should be in that path. We should be in that path. We should be meeting the expectations that we set for our children. Think about that for a moment. We should be meeting the expectations that we set for our children. That's a difficult one, isn't it? That is very difficult. You know, I, I really think of this with my, my great grandma. We, we we called her Matu and, and, and you know, bless her heart. She was a wonderful, wonderful lady. I'm not saying anything necessarily bad about her, but I always did find it a little bit funny because she she smoked and she smoked and she smoked. I mean, she was a smoker. I remember one time going and spending the night at my great grandma's house uh, there at Matu's house and and my cousin Josh was there as well. And as we were we were getting ready to go to bed, uh, I, I was on the the love seat and he was on the, the the couch, and and we both closed our eyes to go and and to fall asleep. And all of a sudden, after a little bit of time passed, I I kind of spoke up and I said, "Josh, do your eyes burn too?" Because my eyes were just burning like crazy. And he goes, "Yeah, my eyes burn too." And then we went and we slept down in the basement. But, but she would go and she would look at you and she'd have a, a cigarette between uh, her fingers and she'd point at you and she'd go and say, now, don't you ever smoke. <laughs> That's teaching, but it's not training, right? That's teaching, but it's not training. We are to go into train up our children in the way that we should go the way that they should go and we should be on that same way. The second command that we see here is found in verse 15, and of course, that is to use the rod of correction. Simply put, spank your children. Parents, please listen to me on this one. Spank your children. This is an important, a very important aspect of parenting. Children need to associate pain with sin. Too many children grow up and, and they do not associate pain with sin. And so what do they do? Well, they, they live their life in such a way after they grow up that they believe that it is not going to hurt them or hurt others when they commit grievous sins because they haven't associated pain with sin and sin with pain. We need to go into instill that association into our children's life And that comes through spanking. See, children really do need to associate pain with sin. Now, uh, uh, of course... This does bring up temporary inconveniences. It's it's not very, very fun to go and to spank your child. Let, let me tell you, it is not a, a fun ordeal to do it. In fact, it can be uncomfortable, and it can be uncomfortable that you have these standards in, in, in your children's life because what ends up happening is that your children will go and maybe talk about spankings, and there are going to be people who don't agree with you. Of course, uh, you're going to go and... And with this, you're going to have the world stand against you. I've I've literally had the world stand against me. I was protested one time uh, with people holding up a sign that says, Pastor Sam believes in corporal punishment, which, of course, I, I, I had a tough time keeping a straight face because I do believe in corporal punishment. If only they would have known. I, I also believe in capital punishment for capital crimes. Yeah. Uh, you, you, <laughs> You know, I can't imagine what they would have done if they would have had that knowledge. But but also, uh, it, it's one of those things where I was just laughing because I'm like, well, yeah, I also believe in the Trinity. I mean, this is, this is basic, basic Christian teaching. We see this right here. You know, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it from them, right? Right there. That's right there. The rod of correction, that's spanking a child. That's what it's talking about. But temporary inconveniences and being uncomfortable for a short amount of time is much better than a life of heartache from your child going and not going the way that they should go and living a life of sin and hurting themselves and hurting others because they never associated pain with sin and sin with pain. But also notice here it is the rod of correction. It is the rod of correction. You know, a spanking with no explanation is just hitting your child. A spanking with no explanation is just hitting your child. There should be an explanation, even if the child is, is you know, just barely crawling and they go and they reach their finger towards the outlet. You know, what do you do? What is the, the right response? Well, to go and to grab their hand and to smack their hand, right? Absolutely. But then you should also throw in this explanation to them. No. No. You're telling them something. You're correcting them. And then you should go and direct them to a yes, to a yes. So it needs to be appropriate as to how you're explaining things. You don't need to go into the theory, not the theory, but you don't need to go into the whole idea of electrical currents and and things like that uh, with your child uh, at that kind of an age. But you should be going and making sure that you're training yourself to go and to explain because eventually you do want to get into the reason why not to do something. You want to work on reasoning with your child, talking through your child, how this is a sin against God and his commands, how this goes and hurts others, how this goes and hurts themselves, how this is an offense against the Holy God, all these things. You want to start explaining these things so that you can bring up the correction but then also with the correction, with the no, you should point your child to a yes, to a yes. You know, there are a lot of children who end up going and walking in the wrong way, not because they weren't spanked and not because they weren't told no, but because many times they were never told a yes, a This is what you should do instead. This is the right thing to do. And this is hard to do. This is hard. This takes training of yourself to go and to do this. But you need to understand the rod of correction is not just spanking your child, but it's actually explaining to them why something's wrong and then pointing them into the right direction. It's a correction. It's not just a smack and telling somebody no, but it's putting them on the right path once again after that. But let's look at some promises that are given here, some promises that are given. Uh, If you train up your child in the way that they should go, when they're old, they will not depart from it. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Hold on to that promise, believe that promise, claim that promise, because that promise is in God's Word, so you need to go and to activate it with faith, right? It's so important. Another one here is that foolishness is bound in the heart of your uh, of your child. Let me just burst your bubble. Your child's not the exception. That's why they do need the rod of correction. There is foolishness in your child's heart. They are born fools. You need to drive it away from them. Your child's not the exception. This is a promise we have right here in Scripture. But here's another positive promise if you use the rod of correction, the foolishness will depart. The foolishness will depart if you use the rod of correction, so use it. All right, well, the next thing we're going to look at here is found in verse 9, and that is that generosity brings blessing. It says this in verse 9, he who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. Now, I assume that you want to be blessed. I've never met anybody who goes around saying, you know, I want to live my life as cursed as I possibly could be. Now, if you look at the actions of some people, you, you can see that that's really what they're saying with their actions, but I've never seen anybody who goes out and they, they make that statement, I want to live a cursed life. You know, you, you just don't hear that. Uh, I also assume this, I assume further, that you want to be blessed financially. I've never met anybody who just goes around and be like, you know, my my aspiration in life is to be the worst possible financial decision-maker ever. And I just want, I I aspire to poverty. Now, once again, if you look at the actions of people, I I think that we can see that. But I never have met anybody who's like, you know, let's, let's, let's dream about not having money. Wow, what a cool dream. You know, nobody really has that that kind of a dream that everybody wants to be blessed. Everybody wants to be financially blessed. And so one of the things that you need to understand about being financially blessed and having blessings in your life is that generosity is really a key component. And it's really as simple as this. It's the principle of sowing and reaping, but here's just a couple things on generosity. True generosity gives with the right motive. You're not giving to receive you're giving to give because you want to see blessings in the lives of others. And that's when God goes and says he's going to bless you. When you want to go and truly see the blessing in the lives of others, you want to rejoice with them. That's what you really need to do. The second principle that is really important is that true generosity doesn't have strings attached. See, I I remember meeting this person and actually having a lot of interactions with this person where they would give. And they they would give lots of different things, but they didn't have true generosity. There were always strings attached. It was amazing that whenever they wanted to go into to, to do something, get permission to do something, they would always come and bring a gift, right? They would always come and, and bring a gift. And, and then you knew, like within the next week, they were going to ask something big that they wanted to have permission to go and to do. Also whenever this person would would go and give something they always wanted to attach it with that they would be able to go and and give some kind of a speech and and I mean it was it was kind of goofy things because I I've seen them go and and give un you know unasked for unsolicited a it, it, it was a a, a party, uh, you, you know. It, it was a it was a party that was going and signifying uh, an accomplishment in somebody's life, like like kind of like a birthday party. And it was people were coming. It wasn't a birthday party, but it, it was something to that effect. In in people, this person came in and they were like, "Look, I bought the cake." Well, a lot of times, you, you know, some people might initially say, "Well, that's such a blessing." Well, of course, the cake was already purchased. The cake was already planned. The cake was already this, but this person wanted to go and to do a specific one that, of course, didn't fit at all for the amount of people that was coming in, wasn't at all with the theme of what the party was, wasn't at all with what was going on. But why did they do that? Because they wanted to give this big dedication speech. Well, that's not real generosity. That's going and giving a gift because you have an alternative, an alternative motive, right? An alternative motive. You want to go and, and, and do this thing. You want to have this seat of of prominence, this, this position that you have. Everything has strings attached to it. That's not generosity. Cut the strings. Just give. You know, if you really care what somebody does with what you give to them afterwards, if it's one of those things of, uh, of, you know, you're looking and you're going, ah, you know, maybe you should do this and this is how you can use it. And this is what you can do. And you can do this and this and this. It's not real giving. It's not real giving. Real giving gives and you take your hands off the gift. You don't keep your hands on the gift. Okay. The third principle, man, we're running out of time here today. Sorry, I'm going a little bit long. I'll be quick with this one. It's found in verse 29, and this is the principle of excellence. This is a really important one. It says this in verse 29. Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. See, we need to have excellence for the Lord and not junk for Jesus. In your life, you need to find excellence for the Lord and not junk for Jesus. See, you should become excellent in your craft. Whatever your hands find to do, do it heartily as to the Lord. Do you view what you do as a form of worship to God? Is your job a form of worship to God? Are your hobbies a form of worship to God? Is even your service in the church a worship, a form of worship to God? See, ultimately, you should use your gifts and your skills directly for God. Ultimately, you should find ways to go and to directly serve God. I'm I'm a wholehearted believer in that. But it is a form of worship to simply do what you do with excellence to show that you care about the principles that God lays forth. Be excellent in your work. See, there are blessings and promises that come with excellence. You will be elevated if you master your craft and you find excellence. And this principle applies to smaller things as well, not just big things. You know, when I say that, you're going to be promoted or you're probably thinking of your job. Well, that's true. You will be promoted in your job if you find excellence. But it's also true in this fact, you know, some of you probably want to serve God in bigger ways. You probably have some kind of a vision uh, of what God wants you to do, or maybe you have a vision of something that you want to do for God, and maybe it's even God that put that within your heart. But the question is, is have you mastered or found excellence in the small things that God has for you and that he has you doing right now? See, if you're a church greeter, are you the best church greeter that you could possibly be? You know, if you are a trash picker upper, I don't know if that's a real word, picker upper, but it is now. But if you're a trash picker-upper, are you the best trash picker-upper that you can possibly be? You know, whatever small ministry that you have, if you want to be elevated in ministry, if you want to be used more in the kingdom of God, you need to find excellence in that ministry. You need to find a way to do it wholeheartedly as to the Lord. Find excellence, master your craft, master what God gives you to do. Well, thank you for listening today, and remember Joshua 1, 8, and 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. But even in darkness We hold to the promise There's nothing we can't overcome So that war you've been fighting